Today on Movie Rollers we review Raya and the Last Dragon, Judas and the Black Messiah, and I Care A Lot. It's time for Movie Rollers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. Yes, yes, well. Movie Rollers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Greetings. Hello, everyone. It's been a long time since we recorded. Even though you've been pushing out the episodes we did, it's been a long time since we did this. Well, actually, I, I do need to apologise. I been really slow about editing um and publishing i think work has just eaten my evenings i have i have a current assignment that's just it's an early morning thing and i don't do early morning so the only way for me to do an early morning is to prep in the late evening (laughs) it gets in the way of editing these podcasts so apologies thank you for being patient i hope um those of you out there that listen to us um are still listening to us (laughs) But um, yes, let's get back on track. I think um, the years had the funny start, right? Because, and we should talk about a little bit about what's been going on with awards. Because you had a crush. For the we had a crush for the end of the year. And um, San Diego Film Critics Society did our awards at the middle, middle, late end of January, Yazdi. So we had a mm-hmm. bit of a rush and a push to get all of that reviewed and in. And so a lot of the films that are popping up now as new are ones that we've already reviewed in previous episodes, which is great. So go back to the website and have a look there. Um, and then the Oscars rule was anything that was in cinemas, I'm going to put that in, in air quotes, by the end of February, as do you remind me? Correct. C- could be nominated. So we may start to see a difference in nominations and winners between things that happened last year and then things that actually happened this year because the cutoffs were different. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, everything is a free fall this year thanks yeah. to the virus. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to have an exceptionally short movie season next year yes. right because we'll only have 10 10 months worth of movies but nothing nothing good terribly good comes out early anyways um yeah yeah so it's interesting the the oscars are not until late april so everything's been moved out like a whole quarter this year so yeah. there's there's a little bit of fatigue yeah uh, even even in a regular year there's a lot of oscar fatigue by the time the academy awards roll out and this year it's been extended by a good six to eight weeks yeah speaking yeah. of fatigue rashmi you got a bit movied out and started watching a lot of streaming episodic content i did like and then I would find something and then I would just binge watch it and then I was very very ruthless if I put up series on and i didn't like the first one i literally never watched it again well that's the way to go like life's too I short i think that to is w- the way to go yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it it creates a horrible bias because i'm 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 very unforgiving generally like if a show hasn't got my attention by three minutes uh, well it, i've been even more unforgiving lately but generally speaking i give it one or two episodes and then i'm done but you're right, yeah. Even now, like halfway into episode one of a show, 
if I'm not digging it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do something else. And it's, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to miss a lot of good things. You've that missed way. some really good stuff. For example. I mean, I think it's going to change if, if the majority of the content is going to come from the streaming services. I don't know how things will play out post pandemic, but I think movies will have to be made differently where you cannot wait for somebody to have you know, catch on to a slow burn like an hour into the movie because a lot of people, if they're not in by the by the first 15, 20 minutes, they're going to abandon it. And um, it's a shame in a way, but it also, I think it's necessary. I mean, I, I've watched a lot of movies in two or three settings and they were fine, fine films, but it's just I didn't have the discipline because when you're sitting at home, you know, you get restless and you say, oh, let me do this instead and let me do that instead or I'm too sleepy and I'll watch it tomorrow and so forth. So or your cute dog I comes along envy- and begs for attention. Yeah, yeah. So I almost envy being forced to sit in a cinema seat and you are bound for the next two hours, whether you like it or not. Uh, that's not happening anymore yeah. on screen, uh, on, on streaming media. Yeah. So I do have to mention the one that Joe is kind of ribbing me about, which is... Um, I was a huge Karate Kid fan growing up in the 80s and loved everything about Karate Kid, went on and did karate um, because I was so inspired in later life. I was going to say, not in the 80s. (laughs) Not in the 80s. You did karate as an adult. I did, I did. But I always loved Karate Kid and that whole universe. And I kept resisting the series Cobra Kai, which is now in season three. And so I saw it come up on terrestrial TV, didn't give it a chance. We watched the last one of the first season a, by accident. It was actually on YouTube. Ah, okay, so that's YouTube right. Correct. It, it was a that's web right. series. It was a web series. So anyway, subsequently, I've, I've binge watched the entire three seasons and it is fantastic. I'm not saying it's Oscar worthy or award worthy, but it's great content. If you grew up in the 80s, you will feel so nostalgic. They have the entire cast that's living back again. It's hammy and it's good and it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's got enough to keep you going. It's a next generation. It's great. And then I was watching a lot of the interviews and we were just talking about this yesterday, you saying, you know, how TV will have to be viewed differently. So the Cobra Kai people were actually saying they get to basically make a five-hour movie every season. That's kind of how they're (laughs) thinking of it. So they're basically telling a longer movie and putting it out episodically. So these are 30-minute shows. They're very efficient. I'm in love with Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai never dies. Cobra Kai never dies. Thank God. (laughs) You see what I've been living with? I've been locked in with this person yesterday. Yeah, some somebody mentioned this. Somebody mentioned this about Cobra Kai, which is that it's that rare situation where you are catching up like thirty years after the original event, and that you know the original Karate Kid happened to be the peak in the careers of a lot of these people. Correct. So they haven't gone on and done you know far better stuff. So they are eager and waiting to rejoin, and so you are able to catch them almost 30 years later, you know, in the t- in the real time frame in which the new show plays out. And that that's not going to happen with Cheers. And it's not going to happen with, you know, almost any other movie. It can't happen with E.T. because, you know, Drew Barrymore now has two kids and is married four times or whatever. So um, it's, it's interesting that they're able to do this with the Karate Kid. Well, it's so meta. I was telling Joe that you have, you know, characters doing things and remember things 
that they actually did in the show, in the movie, and in real life, right? So it's like, um, it becomes like almost a film of those people remembering what they actually did as the characters. Mm -hmm. So it becomes very weird time, you know, continuum meta thing. Anyway, if you are a fan of the 80s, I recommend Cobra Kai. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and Yasti, what have you been binge watching? You've been binge watching a lot too. Yeah, I've been binge watching. I, I just want something like a little bite sized something before I go to bed. And um, I could never watch the actual Jeopardy on on television because it comes at 6.30 or 7.30 in the evening. So Netflix has many, many seasons of Netflix and it, I mean, of uh, Jeopardy. And, you know, I, I feel a little nostalgic because Alex Trebek is no more and he yes. passed away a few months ago. And um, it's just a great little cleanser for the brain. Like right before you go to sleep, it kind of, it's so wholesome and it's so, it kind of, you know, cleans up your head a little bit. So I've been watching that. And then somebody recommended to me the show on ABC called The Chase, which is pretty much uh, Jeopardy on steroids. And they've actually brought back three of the all-time winners on Jeopardy uh, to be participants on that show. And so I've been binging on that. And it, those, that's a one-hour show and it just goes by so quickly. Wow. So that's kind of been my, my uh, Can uh, you know, my, my secret pleasure. Can you answer me a question? Why are the <laughs> questions on Jeopardy phrased like answers and you have to answer in the form of a question? Oh, my God. That we're going to have to kill me. Joe. That we're going to have to literally <laughs> now kill Joe. That is the whole point of the game, Joe. But why? That makes no sense. Like, just ask a question. Why? It's, it's Because it's, it's, they're giving you the answer and you have to come up with the question. That's the, the whole question, point of Jeopardy. Right. I don't understand. <laughs> oh my no, god! No, no the, the Jeopardy. No, the, that's exactly that's see the whole who point. I've been so locked if, up with. <laughs> it's like saying, so if, if, "Why is Star Wars about Star Wars?" It should no, be called. It should be called. No, wait. Galaxy, something. But why don't they say? Oh, I don't know. It just seems the logic just seems I, I, so I bonkers to me. I know it's what like, you, that's you know, the it's whole it's game. A, a furry animal with whiskers and a long tail. What, what is, is a cat? cat? Well, it's like why why structure it in that way? Why not say what is a furry animal because with whiskers and a tail? And people go cat. Why do you have to go? What is a cat? It makes no sense to me. No, it does because if you ask the question, "What is a cat?" you would get the answer. It's a furry animal with four legs. No, but you could say, what is a furry animal with four legs and whiskers? And people go, cat. No, is that, is that too much to <laughs> That's ask? too simple. Oh, and by using the structure of what is a cat, that makes it less simple. This is just, look, Jeopardy was invented by people on drugs. It's a great show yesterday. I admire you for watching it, but it makes no sense to me. <laughs> I also like the randomness of the categories. You yeah, can me be totally too. screwed. Me too. If you know, if, if the categories are things you've never heard about or you they right. work to your advantage. Yeah, or things anyway. like, you know, fruits with seeds. Well, I didn't know there were that many yeah. to fill a board. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we are what in Jeopardy. What is a podcast? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what is a podcast with no reviews? Yeah. Movie, what, what is Movie Wallace? <laughs> 
Well, I was going to say, my segue was going to be, we are in jeopardy of making this another two-hour-long episode. So why don't we shuffle along with things and talk about movies? Three movies to talk about this week. Let's take them in the order introduced at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, the first movie is going to be Raya and the Last Dragon. So, um, yes. It's me. Rashmi, you can tell us all about yep. Raya and the Last Dragon. Right, so this is Disney's big release of uh, quarter one. Um, and basically in a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. So this has a huge list of uh, direct directors and writers. It's a big animation. Um, so I won't go through those. Um, but I will tell you who stars in it. Um, this has Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina plays the dragon, um, Isaac Wang, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong, a whole host of others. Um, so I guess this is the, the big kind of girl power movie. Um, Yazdi, why don't you kick us off? What did you think of Raya and the Last Dragon? Was it worth waking the Last Dragon up? I believe so. I think this is, uh, it's a fun movie and it's so fun that you kind of um, don't realize how much hard work has gone into it to make it fun. And uh, I just liked everything about it. I liked, um, there's an underlying philosophy about, you know, reconsidering a long-considered enemy, re or re-examining a long-considered enemy. There is, you know, there is a lot of female empowerment. Um and, you know, I think the, the, the dragon itself, as voiced by Aquafina, is uh, quite endearing. Um, I, I kind of uh, settled into the movie after the first 15, 20 minutes because I was afraid this was one of another, like, by the books, by the numbers Disney movie that they keep churning out every four months and they make a ton of money because they're, they're okay and kids like it and it's it's a good business proposition but this one I, I'm happy to say Raya and the Last Dragon is not by the books it's not by the numbers um, it's actually pretty clever it's very well thought out um, it has a lot of commentary about women versus women about how women in power are con maybe considered you know as lesser than men in power um, the villains are women, the heroes are women, and it's it's kind of a, um, not to get political, but you know all the countries uh, in the world which are you know which are led by women have done so much better with the pandemic than others. So I think it's very it's very timely, um, and it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I, I I really enjoyed watching the dragons. They were kind of uh, not your typical fire breathing dragons. They were a little bit different. Um, I like this one. Okay, Joe. You know, I want to like this. I really do. And I'm a little mixed on it. So, um, first of all, it's it's visually a delight. I mean... Oh, my God. My yeah. word. This movie, you know, that was something I noticed towards the end. When I said to Rashmi, it's like, they really focused a lot on the hair. I think they really know how to do hair. It, this is just... just remarkable how like every you know fur texture hair on a head of a individual just done so well but it that that kind of undersells it this is just a delight to to look at um 
story-wise, I really like the story and the message and the themes of trust and, and, and you know, overcoming distrust and, and things like that. But I just felt that the execution was a little bland. And, um, you know, this, this movie built up to what should have been an epic finale, right, where, you know, the hero's journey, the most difficult thing, and, and it didn't, it lost a little bit of its energy. And I think thought there was something of a plot hole which we had to discuss afterwards we had to yeah um just because the, the it, we it kind of came together but it just felt to me like the storytelling was was not up to you know animations are all judged by pixar standards but if you look at something like last year's onward by pixar or soul um the level of storytelling is is just not quite up to pixar's level but that said it's a, it's a really fun time i think everyone will enjoy it yeah, I'm with Joe Yazdi. Um, I wrote down in my notes, considering their job was to protect the spirit, they're not actually very good at that. Um, so I, that's kind of how it started out for me. And I feel like um, that was a plot hole in essence. Like that had to happen in order for the rest of the movie to happen. And for me, it's like your report card could have done better. Um, as we always say, Yazdi, like Yazdi's report cards yeah. of old could have done better for, for all the reasons that Joe said. I feel like it was a little lazy in its storytelling. And I wonder if Aquafina hadn't done such a great job of being the dragon that I would have probably lost even more points on it. But she saves the day for me. And I think that the dragon itself is so endearing. Um, it's almost a little bit like the Mushu character in... Um, uh, the Mulan, the original Mulan, the, yeah. the animation version. I like the girl power. I like the messages. I like that it's about people coming together. But I just felt it was shy of greatness. Yeah, I mean, I... I no, I mean, it, yeah. So, I mean, I understand. It's, I, it's, nobody's going to call it the best movie of the year. Um, but I still think... It was, I think, maybe one of the few movies I saw this year where... Even on my little screen, what yes. I saw was so breathtaking. I mean, it, I'm comparing it even to the live action Mulan, for example. This far exceeded that. It was just so beautifully Agreed. rendered. And like you said, um, Joe, the hair, the movement of the hair, the and you know, all these different characters have different hair, you know, hairstyles, and it's it's very lifelike. Um, and it's it's not at this, you know, while it's gorgeous to look at, it's not like, you know like a 60s popping colorway it's not oversaturated either it's it's kind of very very nicely rendered and i kind of like the story about you know they can only ever achieve what is needed to be achieved if everybody plays their part you know and everybody has to trust everybody has to trust and kind of give up a little bit of themselves for the greater good so i really bought into that whole kumbaya stuff um and I think the writing was very good, too. I mean, it was kind of funny. And, uh, you know, my big complaint about the Mulan, not that this is about Mulan, but about the Mulan live action version that they made was I never felt uh, any kind of uh, connection with the lead Mulan character. And I don't know if it's the way it was written or if it was that actor. But yeah, I felt I really felt something for Raya and her struggle and, you know, how she had to kind of let go of her biases and let go of her, you know, belief that a bad person is going to do something bad yeah. and kind of expect that person to do something good. So maybe, maybe I was thinking of this a lot more philosophically than I should yeah. for a Disney movie intended for teens, but I, I kind of, I really liked it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I haven't really got much more to say about this one. I mean, I think if you have Disney, then you should watch it clearly. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily pay for a month of Disney to watch this. Um, and I guess that's probably how we have to frame the frame the reviews that we do now. Is this worth a month of Disney to watch the movie? I, I would say wait. What? I mean, it's to tot totally worth five ninety nine. I mean, it really. I mean, that, that, that's a no-brainer to me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily um, subscribe if you haven't, if that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, like, that's what I, I'm I saying. wouldn't like say, right, I'm going to drop everything else and quickly go first to Disney+. Plus. But, but I mean, it's a, it's a good value, five bucks. <laughs> yeah, if you have it already. Yasi, what do you think? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I'm thinking of uh, somebody I know at work and she has two little daughters. And I cannot think of a better movie for the two of them, you know, for Rachel's two daughters to watch together as a family. Um, I was wondering, I haven't, I thought I'd heard that on top of the Disney subscription, you have to pay the extra money like you did for Mulan. Maybe not. Oh, that's a different uh, prospect. Okay. So I think I wouldn't pay like 20 bucks on or whatever, 30 bucks on top of your Disney subscription. But I think if it's part of your Disney subscription, for sure. And, you know, if, if you have a kid, if you if you're looking for a family movie that everybody can watch together in your home while you're stuck, uh, most definitely you could do far, far worse, I think. OK, so do we want to score this one? Yasdi, why don't you start? Yeah, uh, seven and a half out of ten, which I'm going to back down to a seven. But just for the visuals, I think the movie's so worth it. And uh, I, I, I like I like that it's kind of breaking the mold. You know, Disney was caught in a rut about, you know, one lead character, one sidekick, you know, one villain and some exotic land. And I, I think they've kind of broken out of it, although there's this is an exotic land. But still, there are many, many characters here. And it's uh, uh, it's very well done, I think. School? It's not the best movie of the year, but it's it's pretty well done. So I'm going to back down to seven out of ten. Seven. Yeah. Joe. I'm going to give it a seven as well. I think it's it's delightful for many reasons. Just wanted, it didn't quite live up to my ask. That's my ask. That's mm. not necessarily what they were aiming for or what they were trying to do. But um, you know, I hold animations you know, when everything else is so so perfectly done. Uh, the casting, the voice acting. Um, you know, the animation. Um, I'd take a point off for writing. So seven out of ten. Not quite fiery dragon fire for me. Um, more like continuous little puffs of smoke. Um, six out of ten for me. Better than average. Now, Rashmi, okay. I just looked up what Yazdi said. It's $30 premium access on oh, top of your Disney Plus subscription. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't hand on heart recommend that anyone do that other than the most ardent of um, Disney f animation fans. Now, you know, you can make the popcorn plus movie theater ticket price argument if you're watching it with a family, but um, whew, that's 30 bucks is that that's serious money for to, to fight for um, when there are so many other options available. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, struggle I, mean, I with think that. if you have to choose, if I had to choose between Mulan and this one, I would pick this one any day of the week uh, to spend 30 bucks on. But yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, me living alone in my home, yeah, it's too much. But it's I think if ass. you have a family with like three or four kids, then, you know, a great, great 
um, evening. Um, the one other thing I just picked up on IMDb is that apparently a message appears towards the end of the credits, which says the making of this movie from over 400 individual homes was completely unprecedented and relied entirely on the talent ingenuity and dedication of everyone at Walt Disney Animation Studios. So this is kind of one of the first movies where people were working from home uh, during the pandemic and doing their little pieces. And it was it all, you know, came together uh, with people actually not being physically in the same space. So that's pretty remarkable. That is remarkable. Movie making is possible during a pandemic. That's a not that I want more pandemics, but it does give me some comfort to know that life can continue. Okay, moving on then. Judas and the Black Messiah. So Yasdi, I think you're gonna give us a little backgrounder on that. Yes, yes. So um Judas and the Black Messiah is uh, a biographical drama. Uh, which is obviously based on real-life events. And essentially, Bill O'Neill, this is a story about Bill O'Neill, played here by Lakeith Stanfield, who infiltrates the Black Panther Party per FBI agent Mitchell and J. Edgar Hoover. So this speaks of the time when uh, there was a government-based effort to try and infiltrate the Black Panthers to to provide you know useful information to try and break them up. And as the party uh, chairman, Fred Hampton, ascends, uh, and obviously Fred Hampton here is played by Daniel Kaluuya, um, and he falls for a fellow revolutionary en route, a battle wages for O'Neill's soul. And uh, the movie is from director Shaka King, King, who has uh, three other movies to his credit, but none that I've heard of, so fairly low-profile movies that he's directed before. Uh, the writing credits belong to Will Burson, Kenneth Lucas, and Keith Lucas. And uh, the director, Shaka King, also gets writing credits on this. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, this is not based on a book, but I could be wrong. Uh, the movie stars Daniel Kaluuya in the main role of Fred Hampton. Lakeith Stanfield plays Bill O'Neill. Jesse Plemonsia plays Roy Mitchell. And then Dominic Fishback, who plays um, Daniel Kalua's love interest, Deborah Johnson, she's actually getting um, a lot of uh, buzz about possible surprise Oscar nomination as well. Uh, little Ray Howery, who we like, who have seen, we have seen so many movies before, including Get Out is here. Uh, Martin Sheen is here, as are many others. So um, this is, a, a, I'd say, a pretty timely movie about something which happened gosh, more than 50 years ago. And um, uh, it's it's getting some buzz for, you know, for the Oscars and for other awards consideration as well. Is that buzz justified? 100%. Um, so Daniel Kaluuya just, Kaluuya just won the Golden Globe for <laughs> his performance in this movie. And I think that's really well deserved. I mean, I have to remind everyone again, this is a British actor. Um, quite mm-hmm. early in his career, I know he's done a lot of stuff, um, but not not. It's not like a huge career that he's had. So clearly, a talent of our time. We had previously watched Joe. I can't remember if you watched this with me. This was timely watch for me, Asdi, because I had just watched the documentary MLK and the FBI, which is mm-hmm. also on streaming services at the moment, and it's the documentary version of this kind of about. Martin Luther King and the efforts that the FBI made 
um, to try and track him and what was going on at the time. So I felt like I came into this knowing a little bit of, of the history of what was going on during this period. And I think this was really well done. Um, it's got a lot of heft. It's very serious. Um, but it doesn't always take itself seriously. So I think it's not um, it's not dying under the weight of how serious it's trying to be, which, you know, some films like Mank, I thought were very pretentious. This is not pretentious. Um, definitely worth a watch. Really good production, really good acting, great ensemble, really interesting topic. Um, you sure. know, yeah, so I I didn't respond to this in the same way that you did, Rashmi. I think um, the standout feature of this movie is its performances. They are they're, mm -hmm. they're stunning. Every 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 one like delivers a performance that's worth celebrating here. Um, it's really hard for me to understand, like you know, Daniel Kaluuya's ability to portray such a strong american personality when he himself is from you know london with a very colloquial london accent and you know when you look at lakeith stanfield who i feel like we noticed him we were lucky enough to kind of notice him as an actor early on because of the film that we all university love universally mm -hmm. loved that he was in early in his career short term 12 um and he's lived up to every bit of promise totally. that he has. So performances were just, you know, outstanding here. The movie, I, I felt, um, I, I, it just, it lacked a little bit of um, reality for me. I think, you know, Rashmi, you said it, it's, you know, not, it's not trying to be, you know, uh, a, a super heavy movie about these topics, even though it's got darkness in it. Um, it, it just felt a, kind of a very stylized, you know, almost, um, it just had a, a, a little bit of an odd tone to me that I couldn't get along with. Mm. I, I feel like the, the characters, you know, were all kind of very binary, you know, they were all forces for, for one time. And I think that that time in American history resulted in a lot of ambiguity and a lot of confusion and you know the the whole nature of of being a freedom fighter you know means that there is you know more of a bite to you than than this you know again one man's terrorist and another man's freedom fighter this kind of whole thing here i didn't i didn't feel like I, they exposed the 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 edge in the character and, and how they were forced to, to 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 take some of the actions that they did but again you know the, the movie's all about the performances here, and it, it really is, um, you know, it's worth watching alone for that. Yes, Dee. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rashmi on this. I, I think, I mean, for me, I, I definitely have a gap in my understanding of, you know, America, especially between the 50s and the 70s, when there was so many of these social justice stories which played out Civil about rights. you know yeah and yeah and and um so for me it's just the story itself that this actually happened that the you know the government and the fbi actually went after well they essentially tied you know this person's hands and he had to kind of infiltrate the black panther black panther the, the illinois uh, uh, arm of the Black Panther Society and the lengths that they went to kind of 
get at the information. It's uh, get get at any kind of secretive information. It's so insidious. And, you know, we right now we are so politically charged and everybody's trying to be self-righteous and kind of everybody's like, well, this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. And to me, I see this story. I see something like, you know, the trial of Chicago 7. And I, you know, I realize that our government has, you know, it does not wear a clean robe. It's been a besmirched cloth that America has worn for a long time and they have not been on the right side of justice. And so I think from that perspective, the story is very, very important. And I, I think any kind of a movie um, which brings that story to the fore, I think is, is welcomed. Um, I, I, I'm kind of going back to the trial of Chicago 7 because I think that represents two different stylistic elements. I think uh, the trial of Chicago 7 was a little bit, well, it was an Aaron Sorkin movie, so it was very talky and it was funny and it was definitely more entertaining. Uh, but then I'm pretty sure Sorkin took a lot of liberties with that. You know, that's not things those people actually said. The ending is not actually what happened. Whereas I think this one is a lot more serious take to the material. And I think yeah. they're sticking more closely to the reality of what actually transpired. So I think that's another approach to it. I think either approach is fine. They both educate. Um, what I really liked and what amazed me is that that the movie doesn't kind of um, uh, blunt out the rough edges of these characters. I mean, you know, the the character played by Fred Hampton, Daniel Daniel Kaluuya, he was no saint. I mean, the, he says things right now which actually are pretty, you know, they're pretty um, shaky. Where we from from the from the lens of where we are sitting right now in 2021. I mean, he calls people to arm all the time to arms. I mean, he's he's inciting people into violence, op- like really inciting people to do damage and to get violent and so forth. And where we stand right now, that seems offensive. That seems morally wrong to us or whatever. But I think that's what the nature of that character was when he lived in that time. And and I'm glad the movie kind of showed him warts and all. So I kind of appreciated that. The the times called for that. And I feel like the movie didn't quite get enough of that. I mean, I I think that that's, that's interesting. You, you make that specific point. So maybe I, I was not viewing things through the correct lens because I felt like, we needed to see a little bit more of what pushed more of a that. person to cross those lines. And, you know, I didn't feel like the movie gave me that. Mm, interesting. Mm. I mean, I will recommend. Um, so you can get MLK stroke FBI and you can get it on Prime or Apple TV. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. And it's almost like a documentary cliff notes um, of the same time. But it's obviously the the main character in MLK is MLK. Um so, so I can sum this one up. Um, I think this is really, really um, required viewing. Um, if you like this material, you're interested in this er- era and civil rights, um, easily for me, um, an eight out of 10. And I think yeah, we will see this one during the Oscars. I think this will poke its head through. Yeah. Yes, D. Sorry, uh- yeah, an eight out of ten for me as well. Um, again, I would I would ask everybody to watch it, especially people who are, uh, you know, the current generation is, you know, during last summer, summer of twenty twenty, everybody was so uh, angry about you know the whole uh, George Floyd issue and so forth, and you know, and there was again this this interplay between 
you know, race and violence and social justice and um, oppression and all of this. And this kind of this has been playing out in the country for a long time. So I think it gives you a really good lens. And I'm going to come back to what you said early on, Joe, which is that if nothing else, this movie is just a brilliant, brilliant testament to great acting. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is getting a lot of the praise, as he should. I mean, he just slips into this character. The first few times I saw it, I saw him on screen. I actually thought it was CGI because he's so big here. I mean, he was previously in Get Out. He was like this little shrimp of a person. And he's jacked up here. And I, I was almost wondering, had they used like, you know, Captain America type CGI to kind of beef him up? But no, he is beefed up. I think that's how he is. Um, apart from the physical transformation to his his intonation, his tone, how he interacts with people around him, it's 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 quite quite the true true to force performance. But I think it's for me, Lakeith Stanfield was kind of the heart of the movie because he kind of plays this character who is torn between he has no choice and he is he he has no choice but to do the bidding of the government and yet he's turning on his own people and it kind of reminded me of that indian movie we had both recommended uh, earlier called razi which was yes. about this female spy who was sent from india to pakistan to yes. spy on pakistan great movie and she had that great moral dilemma of like who is she if she's not doing the right thing for her own people so I, I really like that. And I think Lakeith Stanfield did a great job there as well. Could the movie be a little bit better? Yes. I think um, if they had more time, um, yeah, maybe they could have kind of dealt a little bit deeper into these different characters. But I still think it's very worthwhile to watch. So eight out of ten. And a seven from me. I think it's worth watching for sure for the performances. The movie itself was a little bit lacking in... Um, just sheer impact for me. So, you know, this is a powerful story. I, I, I need it to wallop me, and it didn't. Um, so, um, you know, totally worth your while, but seven. Okay. Final movie of the week, then, is I Care A Lot. And uh, this comes from director Jay Blakeson, starring Peter Dinklage and Rosamund Pike. So those are the headline characters. And the precy here is as follows. Uh, Poised with shark life self-assurance, Marla Grayson, played by Rosamund Pike, is a professional court-appointed guardian for dozens of elderly wards whose assets she seizes and cunningly bilks through dubious but legal means. It's a well-oiled racket that Marla and her business partner and lover Fran use to brutal efficiency. Um... But when their mark turns out to have an equally shady secret of their own and connections to a volatile gangster, Marla is forced to level up in a game that only predators can play, one that's neither fair nor square. That was not such a short pricey. I'm getting this from Metacritic because Rotten Tomatoes is down. Um, Anyhow, I didn't get to see this one, but Rashmi, I know you've seen it. Yazdi, have you as well? Yes, I have. Uh, delicious premise. Delicious premise. Worth worth a while. Yes, do you go first? Yeah, I I could talk about this one for a long, long time. So I'm 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 going to try and keep it. Do a quick summary and then we'll uh, jump in. Yes, um, quick summary. An absolute ride of a movie. You are always on your toes. It kind of plays like this. Catch me if you can with bite and, um, 
you never know who's going to do what to whom. So it, it just, it, there is enough plot in this movie. I'm just going to say there's enough plot in this movie for about five movies. There's so much plot and there's so much double and triple and quadruple, you know, crosses and backstabbing and all this stuff. But when you, so <laughs> as an entertaining movie, it's great. When you step back and think about it, uh, all kinds of problems, all kinds of problems. Exactly but what I'll, I'll Yasdi said. Yasdi, yes. I am 100% in agreement with you. Although my fun quotient for this one is is off the charts. This is yeah. so fun, so pulpy. It covers so much stuff in here. And you know what? I still can't decide who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. I cannot for the life of you tell you this is not a good versus evil. This is just pulpy, batshit crazy at times. Um, this has everything thrown in here, right? Like we've got gender politics, aging, a corrupt system. Um, we've got like, you know, um, just crazy. The stakes are constantly changing. Yes, you said it, catch me if you can, cat and mouse. Um, it, it, it's just so much fun. Like there was not a minute in this movie where I knew where it was going. When I thought I knew where it was going, it turned on me. Um, just fun. And Rosamund Pike is so good and so well deserving of that Golden Globe that she she just got two weeks ago. Great movie. It's not great in the sense of like a great movie like, you know, Gone with the Wind or The English Patient. It's just a great, entertaining, fun. This is what movie. This is what movie watching on a Friday night is all about for me. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you watch this as some kind of modern noir, it just works beautifully. Yes. Um, and um, you know, we've been talking about acting, and you know, I think the serious movies get all the kudos and yes. and the the light you know, entertaining ones do not. But I mean, I defy anybody to find a better female actor this year than Rosamund Pike. You know, uh, Frances McDormand's getting a lot of push for, you know, Nomadland and she's brilliant in it. But is Rosamund Pike any any less than her? No. I don't think so. She has to play, um, play a much bigger range, in fact. Yeah, right? She has I to be a believable, actually, a believable boss lady. She has to play um, scared. She has to play... Um, crazy she's she's got to be physical um, she's really pulled one out here yeah I, she, I mean um, I, sorry I was just gonna say Yasdi there's elements of her gone girl character in here for me just to how yeah. how divisive that character is and how believably scary that character is for all the bad things that that the character does same same type of elements here as well but um so yeah she's good She's in danger of getting typecast anytime there's a need for a relatable psychopath you yes. know, who's out to, get, <laughs> yes. out to get everyone. She's, she's got the corner market, uh, corner uh, uh, marked for that. Um, so, so she's great. Um, I actually got a little bit of, you know, the uh, Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine wife from her because yeah. I think that character is written as in 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 both cases the character is written as so nasty and the only reason you remain with this character is because of how it's played by the respective actors i mean this i i still have a big problem with the movie and i'll come to that in a second but the reason why the movie holds together at all is because of rosamund pike and it's not just rosamund pike i think 
Diane Weist, who we don't see yes. so much. She's so good here. Yes. And oh my God, is Peter Dinklage having fun here or what? Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. He is having so much fun here. And um, what's his name? Uh, the guy who plays his lawyer. Uh, Chris Messina. Chris, Chris Messina. Chris yeah. Messina is so good. Like, so again, good. chomping up the scenery every chance he gets. It's, it's... Uh, you know, in the 80s, they used to make. They used to make all these movies, you know, cat and mouse movies. There was one called The Black Widow. It kind of reminded me of those kind of old, you know, it, it, it you know, old movies uh, from the eighties. So it's very, very entertaining. It's great I think because once it, you I know step what? Yes, the, it, yeah. it's 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 that it covers that thing so well, which is the bad guys are really bad. And there are no good guys, in essence. No, there are no good guys. So I think that's where the problem comes. I think like if everyone is bad. Kind of... I'm sorry. Everyone is bad in this movie. Everyone is yeah, like an evil person. Everyone is bad in this movie, but I think some are worse than others. Yes. And if you step away and start looking at the morality of this, the whole thing just completely of course, collapses. Of course. I, I, you know. The the Rosamund Pike character does things which are so awful. They're just so awful <laughs> that at one point in the movie, she kind of, you know, makes peace with this Russian overlord. And we are meant to believe <laughs> that they're both equally bad people and that's why they're making peace with each other. But I think what she does is far worse than a Russian mobster. And so I really had a problem. And I think when... The movie kind of interlays, um, intercalates like these comments about, you know, women's, you know, women's rights and strong women and how society does not deal with strong women. It gets into very, very dangerous territory. Um, so I, I think the more I the more I look at the, this movie and this story critically, the less the more it starts to buckle and the, the more kind of problematic it becomes. Uh, because at one point, there's no question the movie starts with her being this awful, awful person. And then at one point, I'm not giving anything away, the movie kind of turns gears and now wants you to kind of, you know, follow her and kind of sympathize with her. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want to sympathize right, with you. But the story yeah. is so pulpy that exactly. you go along for the ride. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and and she's so entertaining that you don't want her, you don't want to not have her in the movie. Um, right. And, you know, look, I wrote down at one point, it really gets batshit crazy. And she turns into like sort of this Jason Bourne type character, which is so <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. But look, you this is one of those movies, you can poke holes at it. But as a whole movie, it's so damn entertaining. It's so super fun. I will easily give this one a nine out of ten, Yasti. Not Whoa. because it's like, no, not because it's critically acclaimed, but it's the most fun you will have this quarter in a movie. I'm throwing down my marker. Go, Yasti. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, I'll and, give and, it an eight sorry, out of ten. I, I, I just really, I wish this was a mini miniseries. I really yes. do because there's so much plot great, here. Great, great um, point. This would have been like a better call soul mini series yeah. it would have worked really like a breaking bad if vincent gilligan got his hands on this script as a mini series this would have been amazing i think you're right but i have to give it props yeah, i have to give it I props yes like one second i was just gonna say this has a song from the 1980s 
by a band called Five Star called System Addict, which I hadn't heard in like 35 years. And I heard it and I was like, man, that's an extra point just for that song. Never can get <laughs> enough. Yep. System Addict. That one. It's in this. Anyway, go ahead, Yasti. <laughs> I, I was... You know, I was like you. I was like, oh, my God, this is like one of the best movies I've seen this year up until the halfway point. Yes. Um, because the first part of the movie with her doing what she does is so incredible and it's played so beautifully and everything yes. is so against expectations. So I yes. was really enjoying it. But then once the, the Peter Dinklage character came yes. in, Agree. I almost felt like Agree. the screenwriter just felt... Oh, let's let's turn the screw this way now. We've been turning it this way, and then it was like, oh, how about we throw a car in, in the water? And what happened? That was and the turning could, point. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just exactly. got to a place where I just felt like they were just making up stuff uh, on the go. Like now, how can we make this more twisty? Now, how can we make this more twisty? Which doesn't take away from the from the uh, appetizing aspect of the movie it just makes it more and more delicious yes but it's 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 a lot of you know empty yes. calories <laughs> I, and i really I had a problem i mean i don't i do not want to ever defend that character she's a horrible, horrible exactly person. i think yeah. if this was a dessert this would be that you know at christmas time when you get that apple pie cherry pie and another pie baked in a cake with right. frosting what's that I know the one you mean. You know the one like I the, mean. It's like the Tadukan of the pies. Child? It's like the Tadukan of pies. This is that oh, I, movie. I, I want that. I didn't know such a thing existed. <laughs> well, I you could probably that. bake want... one. Yeah, a Tadukan of pies. It oh. is. It's like an apple pie, a cherry pie, and something else pie. Maybe a pecan pie. And then it's baked into a cake. Mm. It's crazy. I think you even had one at work, Joe. Oh, I did, And you yeah. took a picture of it. I did. Uh, and you said, this is what I'm eating. Thank you, Wendy, for making that yes. and bringing that in and making the entire team pass out with... Yes. Uh, sugar coma. Sugar coma yes. for the rest of the day. This is that movie. Anyway, yeah. I think we're <laughs> yeah. done. Now I'm hungry. Yes, well, so scores were... Nine. And Yazdi? Eight. Perfect, all right. And eight out of ten, it sounds terrific. I've Very got, entertaining, I've, but so problematically so character. Agree. I have yep. to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's wrap up today with that one. We've got another podcast coming up soon. So thank you, uh, listeners, for listening. You do. We can't do this without you. We, we wouldn't do this if you weren't listening. So, well, we, maybe we would anyway, but... Um, we do appreciate everyone that listens to the podcast. Love getting your feedback. And um, yeah, let us know what you think of this movie, this podcast, life in lockdown, whatever's on your mind. Um, mail at moviewallers.com, twitter.com slash moviewallers, facebook.com slash moviewallers as well. Until our next podcast, too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. Cobra Kai never dies. Cobra Kai never dies. Cobra Kai never dies.